This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew. Welcome to the bonus episode of Spooktober 2021. It's the end. It's the end of another spook. We're putting another Spooktober in the ground until it comes back you, next year. Yeah, you can never truly kill Spooktober. You can only defeat it until another generation of teens awakens its dark urges. Yep. Until it, there's a full moon and its castle appears in the in the distance and you need to go and you need to kill Dracula. <laughs> what is a podcast? Um, <laughs> we are here on Halloween and we're going to talk about a spooky book, sort of. Sort of? It's a sp- no, it's spooky. Spooky. There's some spookiness to it. This is um, our bonus episode where we have some Patreon supporters in the chat. Thank you to all of the folks who support us on Patreon. Uh, thanks to folks who are able to make time to join us live here on Halloween. More information on how to do that, patreon.com. Andrew, what book? You're the one who suggested it. What book are we reading <laughs> this week? We read the first book of the Haunted Ohio series by Chris Woodyard. Okay. Haunted Ohio, Ghostly Tales from the Buckeye State. There are seven of these books. Yes. I'm given to understand. And then Chris Woodyard since has gone nationwide with her ghost story hunting (laughs) because I believe she has successfully accomplished her goal with the Haunted Ohio series, which was to find ghost stories from each of Ohio's uh, 88 counties. Yes. Now, where, why did you pick this book, Andrew? Where did it, where did the impulse come from? How did you find it? I like we owned a couple of these I think as kids cuz we did live in Ohio. Yeah. And then and, and by we I mean me and my family. I don't know <laughs> like I I'm not talking about me and you. You but and I we, did live in Ohio but not at the time that you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, no. And then we also went to school at Kenyon College in Ohio. And Ohio uh-huh. is just like I like Ohio, okay? Yeah. It's a state it's like that you I've could got, be in. Like, <laughs> I, I have a thought. I have a thought about that in general. That like Ohio. We'll talk about this. Ohio has been the birthplace of what seven U.S. presidents. Yeah, and like so, Ohio goes. Any, so goes the nation. Great ones, but yeah, a lot of them. A lot of um, just a lot of stuff. F- in the country's history comes out of Ohio. A lot of stuff in the country's history goes through Ohio. If you want to make somebody from North Carolina mad, you tell them that Ohio is where the Wright brothers are from or yes. whatever. I did. The ongoing license plate yep. wars uh-huh. between North Carolina and Ohio. Um, so I feel like Ohio is this state that is really a big part of the, the nation's like post- colonial era history 
and yet i think in our modern age does not get its due like it's just kind of there it's not part of the national conversation outside of the electoral college often. <laughs> I guess. Well, Ohio's got a lot of history. There's a lot of underground railroad in Ohio. There is a there are a lot of uh, like native burial mounds in Ohio yeah, that yeah. have been preserved pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot. There's like a river that caught on fire one time. It's <laughs> it's got a lot of rich history in Ohio. And all that to say is, I think like it is telling to me that. Woodyard herself, an Ohio native, but also someone who's very interested in ghost stories, like found a lot of material in this state. And the series seems to have been very popular coming out of this state where like people from Ohio, a lot of people have strong feelings about the state they're from. A lot of people from Ohio have strong feelings about Ohio and like want to rep Ohio. You got like the Ohio State University. Yes. And I, we bleed scarlet and gray in my house. With- <laughs> And I just feel like it, it's, you know, it more so than a state like Pennsylvania has the like, listen, we're an important state, okay, energy, and I don't begrudge it that. It is. Well, and I feel like Pennsylvania, like, it lacks a state identity, and I think that's partly because Pittsburgh and Philadelphia kind of bookend it, and they yeah. feel like completely different cities in completely different places and then you got central pa which is its own thing yeah and then you've got like northeastern pennsylvania which is its own thing. It's, it's just a very wide state in a way that i feel like has made it it's made it hard for pa to achieve a sort of statewide cohesion in the way that ohio has <laughs> successfully managed to do in my mind uh Tyler, the girl in the chat says, mm, based on this rave review, why would the Wright brothers ever want to move to the beach of North Carolina to fly a plane? Hmm. Why would they want to do that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I've, I've never read a as book. The, the Wright brothers exemplify the like Ohio is a great place to be from mm. energy. Oh, <laughs> man, that's a good motto for a state, but would mm-hmm. is also a terrible motto for making anyone move to your state. Yeah, well, I mean, they've been shedding what house seats, electoral college votes, yeah. one yeah. at a time for decades. It's you know Ohio. Okay, that so that's Ohio. That's where we're coming in with our Ohio feelings from. We'll talk a little bit more about Kenyon College specifically in this book. Um, Chris Woodyard, Andrew, what yes. do we know about Chris? Chris Woodyard is an author who has written a bunch of ghost story books including the uh, haunted ohio series uh the ghosts of the past series the victorian book of the dead Mm -hmm. um and several others uh she lives in dayton and she is like this series is her thing it's like it's her main deal yeah um and she has just kind of been seeped in Ohio lore forever. She attended Bowling Green State University, a place where I went once for a college visit. <laughs> no, wait, actually, I went to Boys State there. Do you, do you know about Boys State? I do not know what Boys, Boys State? State. Boys State. Boys is State. A weird, like summer camp thing where a bunch of high school aged boys spend a few days setting up their own little government no i've mm, boy state this netflix show sounds sounds, it sounds like i'm making it up but no boy state is a thing i think i went to to bowling green for boy state you went to lord of the flies state uh Mm -hmm. for a day anyway 
Um, yeah, I she got a degree in medieval and Renaissance studies, uh, has held down jobs such as house cleaner, organist, editor of children's textbooks, ran a vintage clothing store, which factors into at least one or two stories in this book. Um, says in both the intro to this book and a few other interviews and on uh, her website that from an early age was interested in supernatural stuff. I think she says the first story she ever wrote was about a witch when she was in like elementary school Mm -hmm. and then thought she had had some supernatural paranormal experiences growing up. Uh, And then her parents were very scientific and didn't really believe her or she didn't feel comfortable telling them. And then her grandfather was like, yeah, I see ghosts. She's like, let's talk about it. Yeah, she says that she's seen ghosts. She says that her daughter has seen ghosts sometimes. She seems like pretty. I don't know that sh- this book forwards a unified theory of no. like, how ghosts work or anything like that. Maybe, I don't know, maybe subsequent ones do this more. This is something that I think we're going to end up talking about a lot. But she is a, she either believes in ghosts or she has constructed a persona as a person who believes in ghosts to sell haunted Ohio books. Yeah. Um, she, when asked on her website, asked if her stories are true, says, I always like to say they are true in spirit. The people who, that's a, that's a, that's convenient. (laughs) The people who told me these stories believed they had had some supernatural experience. They couldn't explain. I do not make up stories out of nothing. Even if a story is quote unquote traditional or folklore, it may still have a grain of truth to it. Um, so a lot of the stories that we might discuss in this episode have that vibe of like an anecdote from talking to a dude at a theater yeah, or right. I dug into the newspaper archives and found a story about a spooky thing. And that's my understanding of what some of her other books outside of the Haunted Ohio stories have become, which are like the the Ghosts from the Past series, I think, is a lot of like rooting through people's like archived diaries and rooting through newspaper archives and like finding like this is when someone said someone saw a demon kind of stuff (laughs) Uh, um go ahead oh i was just gonna talk about the uh the publication of the first haunted yeah please this is from a uh a lot of the stuff about woodyard who's not doesn't have like a huge internet presence like her her website is a little bare bones and the biography talks about like the kind of writer she is and doesn't actually give like a lot <laughs> just like straightforward biographical facts. About There's her a life. big part on her website about how she hates Ouija boards though. You know why Andrew? She we- does hate Ouija boards in this book because it's, it's stupid and it would take forever. And why would a ghost communicate this way? Yes. And the only, the only ghost who's going to use a Ouija board is a trickster ghost who's playing a prank on you. So don't, believe ouija boards <laughs> I, I like that i like that idea <laughs> your but it is still a ghost like it's it's still a ghost yeah you're not talking not to who grandma. you think you're talking to but it is your it is a ghost yeah hmm. yeah interesting uh so um the person uh interviewing her was uh talking about the publication history of the book and the difference because the, the first one was self-published and this, but this is in 1991 so you're not like snow queen's ice dragon like publishing on amazon no. you don't you don't have this like infrastructure set up for books that don't have a physical copy that can still like have a presence and find an audience and, and whatever um so she talks about in, in 1991 
printing the minimum print run of books. You know, she, she hired a typesetter. She she uh, reviewed proofs. She did all the like stuff that you do with a print book, but she was doing it herself. The minimum order was ten thousand books. Yep, which is That's a, a wild amount to just like public because you because <laughs> guess what you publish ten thousand books and then you have a garage full of books yeah and you're like well now it's my job just to sell these and that's uh-huh. that's exactly what she said uh, i went to book fairs sent out press releases and so on all ten thousand were sold and now the book is in its 12th printing all the books have done well uh for a while i had several employees and ran a catalog of ghostly books not just my own but other writers uh, it turns out that readers from outside Ohio are interested in Ohio ghost tales, and Ohio readers are interested in ghost tales from other locations. Hey, what a small world we all live in! <laughs> but no, I, I think that, and and again, we can we we will talk about this more as we dig into what the book is. But it is, you know, you get the Ohio in sections like I used to live above a haunted store in Columbus. After college, I opened a vintage clothing store in an old apartment house on a corner of High Street across from Ohio State University. And so everybody from Ohio reading that paragraph is like, yeah, Ohio State University. They're yeah, all our studio whooping. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> town of the modern town of Kenton. Yeah. She's talking about where I'm from. But the stories themselves. And there, there are some non-Ohio stories in this. There really in are. this book already, but the the stories are much more like it's it's a wide range of ghost story archetypes that are pretty universal, you know, apart from the place where they are taking place. Yeah, my favorite. I I can't wait to talk about the chapter about American presidents, Andrew. Ooh, yeah, that is a good one because some of them are not from Ohio, <laughs> and it's like. Someone... There's a lot about like Abraham Lincoln and just like he went to Ohio one like he laid in state in Ohio a couple times. A so. woman who ended her life in Ohio had a conversation with Mary Todd Lincoln and that's why we're talking about Lincoln in this book. It's so yeah. good. It, mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff that is like if you're from Ohio or if you're from a state that is not part of the national conversation you're often like how do I what is my connection to this? How can I, how can the place I'm from be a part of the story? And this, this book feels like that a lot. In when a you really define states way. that are part of the national conversation, what are you talking? You're talking about like Iowa and Florida and that's no, it. No, I'm talking about coastal elites and, oh, sure. yeah, and right, Florida right. and Texas is really mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like New York, California, Florida, Texas, is really the four states that I'm talking about. The big ones, the big boys. Yeah, the ones where all the news ops are and the ones where also a lot of people live and so they got to talk about it. Yeah. But, you know, New Jersey apparently is like the like the most representative state of the entire country and nobody's ever talking about New Jersey unless you're watching The Sopranos. People talk about New Jersey a lot. It's just rarely, it's rarely flattering is the thing about people talking about New Jersey. Um, I did find an interview with Woodyard uh, from two or three years ago as part of a speaking engagement at OSU with the department. Did you mean the Ohio State University? Excuse me. I did. Okay, good. Um, and <laughs> they had brought her back for a keynote and she did like a podcast interview they had the transcript and everything talked a little bit about the being interested in the supernatural talked a bit about this guy named charles fort who i think she references at least once or twice in this book yeah she talks about being a fortian yeah like early 20th century investigator of the paranormal he wrote something called the 
Book of the Damned in 1919 that was like everything from mysterious disappearances to UFOs to frogs falling from the sky. And he didn't really have a lot of evidence. He was just like, nobody's telling you about this. You know, <laughs> uh, and, they don't want you to know. And folks, you know, lots of horror and sci-fi writers have actually drawn from that for inspiration. Um, but she also like... Woodyard has had experiences with the paranormal mm-hmm. and like this conversation they just go all the way into it I was kind of surprised how just like deep into like what tell me about some ghosts that they get into um, and she said at one point I was up at Mansfield for example at a theater and there was Ooh, a ghost Mansfield. Woo! went to the dollar theater in Mansfield sometimes. and there was a ghost in the recording booth uh, the projection booth, and he's like, hi, my name's Pete, and he's just real friendly, and so I'm telling the people who had brought me there, and they were very disappointed because they didn't know any Pete, and they were looking for a murdered guy in the basement, but I was interested in this other one because he was very much really there, so somebody said, well, maybe you ought to talk to the historian in town, uh, and so I called him up, and I said, you know, I was at the theater and was looking in the production booth, and I wondered, was that the original equipment because the ghost had said he'd brought it with him, and the historian said, no, that was brought from some other theater. And she said, who's the projectionist there? And he says, oh, his name was Pete. He's dead now. Ooh. Ooh. And like, maybe she's making it all up. But she she seems like, nah, I don't know what she seems like. I have but no idea what she seems like. She's good at seeming like she's not making it up, I guess. She's very good at seeming like she's not making it up. And she's very good at the... Uh, I think the other quote from that Dayton article that we both found, the Dayton Daily News, I remain neutral on whether ghosts are quote-unquote real in a way we think of things as being real. Um, Am I experiencing a neurological phenomenon? Am I experiencing something that science can't explain? I don't know. That's why I remain neutral. But people have experienced them. They're just asking questions, Andrew. Just asking questions. Joe Rogan and no. Ghost Hunters no, no, just no. asking questions. Okay, where do you want to start on this book? Because the only way it doesn't have a plot, right? No, 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 and and it, it doesn't have a plot. It doesn't. There, there's a whole foreword about like just assume that that anytime I say that anything in this book happened, that it has alleged in front of it. That's not the you know. Yeah. It's not. It is not literally true or is it the only thing Um, is true the only thing that is purported to be true is that she did the research yes and that when she says she talked to a literal person that person existed and told her something yeah though there are a lot of asterisks after her names in this book which that's also mean that that they the names have been changed to protect the haunted but overall to me it reads like a chicken soup for the lost souls like it it's just a series how long ago did you write that joke it just is a series (laughs) of things that occur Mm -hmm. in order it's a series of things that occur in order. The, the book is split up into what, like fifteen different sort of subsections. Yes, uh-huh. um, with like varying inc- themes. Yeah, varying them themes. Uh, so part one is the haunted garden party dress, which is clothes. mostly about like clothes and stuff. Uh, dearly departed, which is lovers. About lovers, yes. Uh, 
There is, I clicked. There's the whole Thomas Edison, like, technology chapter. Yeah, that's a strange, the the ghostly grandpa, which is about kids (laughs) in the supernatural. I love Um, the ghostly grandpa story. (laughs) There's one called Old Soldiers Never Die, in which John Brown appears to come back from the dead and say that he is sorry for all the abolitionism that he did. I did not love that. threw my Kindle across the room when the ghost of John Brown appeared to apologize for being too radical. Yep, and to say that really uh, they just should have waited longer and that his radicalism just made the slave owners more mad and... The, it I, made me a little... <laughs> there there are a couple of veins in this yeah. book, and I think it is mostly that it's 1991 and like we had not... Yes. like critically engaged with some of these myths just like as a culture yet but there's a sort of romanticism about the civil war in the south there is a i mean there's a whole chapter about like specifically about um hauntings of like, like native americans and, and oh yeah, churches. And like, churches well then the native american stuff too but but like there's a christian vein that runs through a lot of the yep stories um just as like a sort of a frame or you just kind of it's an assumption, I think, that yes. some version of Christianity is essentially true and that it, it it colors how some of the stories are told, like even outside of that chapter that's about. No, you're right. There's a, there's a lot of talk um, of, um, you know, ushering spirits into the light and like presuming a very Christian centric version of the afterlife. Um, yeah. Even even though it's it's rarely talking about hell, it's just talking about a a post restless spirit heaven well so um, like so one of the chap one of the uh, stories in the um in the uh, eternal rest grant unto them o lord chapter which is the that, one that's is that about the, the religious chapter the yeah, that's church a religious chapter. chapter one of them is about a guy who just like blasphemes all the time yes and he, he says on his deathbed if God is real, then let my grave be filled with snakes. And then the rest of the story is just every time anyone went to his grave, there was just snakes everywhere. I was Did that actually happen? Was it just somebody playing a prank? We'll never know, but I wouldn't go to that grave I, if I didn't like snakes. That was the only story that stood out to me in that whole chapter because a lot some of it was just kind of hard it was like a nun saw a ghost of a nun um but i liked that atheist chapter because the guy had commissioned for his headstone a statue of himself stomping on bibles or something well and all it's like it's yeah you're catching a lot of sins in that it's a it's a uh, graven image of himself he's like Mm -hmm. he's stomping bibles and then there were like cursing god on his deathbed and then the family said, we're done with this scandal. We're yeah, going to we, get rid they, of the we, statue. Yeah, we took the statue down. So it, what I like about that, and this is like a thing that some of these stories have, is like, you can't go and verify any of this that information. Is, <laughs> <laughs> the statue's yeah, that's gone. True. That's true. That's true. Um, um, but maybe you still find the snakes. But yeah, you're right. I think the that the thing that stood out to me book about the book was like a big early 1990s ish ness of it um and some of that is like it well there were it doesn't it doesn't exclusively make it being a 90s thing but like the way it talks about 
Native Americans and the frontier and the like alongside the civil war romanticization is also this like really tropey version of what the American frontier was mm-hmm. and like that guy who was collecting skulls some white guy who was just killing Native Americans and collecting their skulls and he needed a hundred of them before he died and he couldn't get them and so his son was supposed to do it and he didn't and so the son's skull was the hundredth one Uh huh. and it's not great <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just kind of well, it's, it's not even like I, I don't even think it's it's something that's like specific to the 90s it's just like it is from a time before the you know the pc police got their hooks into all of us you know sure maybe it is from a, that- it, like when when People do moral panic stuff about yeah ed, about like education and the things that kids are being taught in schools and, and and that kind of thing. I mean, if I had read this when I was in elementary school or, or even high school or even probably parts of college, <laughs> like I would probably not have have blinked much about about some Same. of the stuff because yeah. it because it comports with my understanding of the world as it was, which is mm. like the civil war happened a long time ago. It's over. There are heroes on both sides. Oh, or are at you least talking like about, you're talking about that ghost, the lady in gray who would put flowers on the graves of Confederate soldiers. And yeah, then and like, <laughs> at the end of the story, <laughs> at the end of the story, it says something to the effect of, Oh, is it um, the thing about oh until the South rises again? Yeah, was that the, like, was that, that story? She's gonna keep mourning until the South rises again, maybe? And there's no the, the I don't think that that's <laughs> meant on Woodyard's part to no. convey any particular ideology or anything. That's a good it's point. just like Yeah. The Civil War is a long time ago. It didn't hurt anybody it wasn't all about slavery probably and it is it's about heritage and maybe the south is gonna rise again because they just like love being in the south and it doesn't like it's not about anything and it doesn't well it's a presumption that all of that is is literally dead and buried is yes and so we can kind of riff on it in a way that is probably never gonna harm anyone yeah, like the the guy who went to my high school who had a shirt that he would wear that would say the North one, the South zero, but it's only halftime. I had to put my glass down. I almost dropped it. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah, it's, it sucks. It blows. It sucks and blows. <laughs> it sucks and blows. Wow. We we don't need to to belabor this point, but just if you if you are reading this, yeah, there, there's a lot of that stuff that made me sort of raise my eyebrows a little bit. <laughs> the the one more on that vein that I'll just like I want to give voice to is in that whole chapter about hauntings related to uh, Native Americans, some of which mm-hmm. are like that guy who was killing a bunch of people, some of which are just like some loved violent love triangle triangle story among you know native folk and then there's the one that is like a guy who worked for the you know forensics department in a small town dug up some native remains and was like cool i'm gonna mess with this skull 
and then now my life is cursed. <laughs> and then I'm going to give this skull to someone else who wants it, and her life is cursed. And then I'm going to ask my psychic friend about it, and she's going to draw a picture of it, and her life is cursed. And so I'm just going to put it back in the earth. Um, that story in 1991 specifically, it's like really playing into, I was look, I was reading this into this, like the Amityville horror does a lot to popularize the trope of the like haunted native burial ground thing where by disturbing remains, you have like awakened a vengeful spirit who will destroy you. And that's just like not how that works. And <laughs> there's a lot of like people have written like a lot of reasons as to why that became a very popular trope. Like, is there some internalized white guilt that makes that very useful? Is it just because the first couple stories that used it were very popular? And so now we're going to use it. And because we're, we're as a society used to not even thinking about how those marginalized stories might hear this, we're not going to worry about it. Um, we're taking advantage of stereotypes of, of their belief systems and I, it also pinged to me because, like, here in Philadelphia, uh, the, the school district, as of this month, is undergoing a search of all of its buildings for but remains of Native people that might be, like, locked away in their closets because one of our premier high schools found remains from the 18th century where someone was using it to, like, teach biology courses in the 19th century. You can't do that with be- it's not no. And so it's it was one of those things where like the this ghost story trope, this real horrible historical practice and 21st century stuff like it's all colliding and I think you're right Andrew, there's something that does feel very 90s about the book like assuming most of this stuff is dealt with like the reason we can turn it into cool ghost stories is because the only thing that's like present about it is that it makes us feel spooked right yeah i I mean there's there is i think a lot about the the go-go 90s in america and the sort of like the end of history thing that you get coming out of the 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 cold war and and i feel like that where history is literally something that happened in the past. Everything that is happening now, like it doesn't come from anywhere. It's just, it's just now. And we don't need to worry about learning any lessons because America is great. Yeah. And everybody came out on top and we're all doing just fine. No, no one has any grievances. Yeah. Should we go through and, and try to have some fun with this book, Andrew? Now, Let, I mean, I was, I'm having fun. Okay dunking on the <laughs> lost cause of the confederacy but i you know we can have fun talking about some of the ghost stories too sure um like chapter one can, can we wait, wait, wait first can we talk about this book talks a lot about uh wrapping mediums oh my god yes let's and talk about so, the wrapping thing and so and so what they mean when they talk about wrapping mediums is basically ghosts doing morse code where you are talking to a ghost and you hear like a you know like a knocking sound or a rapping like a, a rapping in the in the Edgar Allan Poe sense. My but, name is Casper and I'm here to say. But yeah, like I'm Craig has been you in a kindly way. But mostly, like Craig has been doing, you do just sort of read a lot about ghosts who are rapping to you. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's it's in um, like, multiple chapters. It's everything from like oh, it's it's everywhere. It's all over the place. After the company were seated, one of the ladies asked if the spirits would communicate with us by rapping. Immediately, the rapping commenced on the settee or the wall, and then on the table where we were sitting. It's great. It's great. They use rapping <laughs> if in such there a- were. The manner of proceeding was as follows. An individual first asked if there were any spirits that would communicate with them. If there were, it was indicated by two or three raps. If the answer was a name, the ladies would call over the alphabet, and when they came to the right letter, it would rap. Or you might write a list of names, and when you came to the right one, it would rap. This ghost loves rapping. Had people in Ohio heard rap? Of rapping? I don't, by 1991? I'm not sure. <laughs> Well, that's a, see, that's another coastal elite thing. Is I don't think we, I don't think Ohio got rap until like 2005. That's a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do love that. I also love that this book is just full of some amazing sentences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, um, and that's not to say that it's badly written. No, but the style is kind of all over the place, and that lends itself to a lot of fun yeah. word choices. This is overall, I think the the experience of reading one of the like reading a book like this is akin. I made a chicken soup for the soul joke earlier. I texted you earlier this week, Andrew, saying that it was sort of like reading the secret. It is like <laughs> it is just an an aggregate volume of anecdotal evidence of this thing and if you've ever read a book like that it just kind of has this like bizarre rhythm that is like kind of short 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 story long story short short story long story it's kind of like rapping in that way yeah it is um and then every once in a while you'll get these like amazing sentences like the beginning of in chapter two, which is all about like jilted lovers and marriages yes. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, one sentence, it literally this is the start of a, of a whole story. Psychic investigators agree that sexual energy is a major source of psychic disturbance. Same. What? Honestly. <laughs> I get. Okay. That's early on in the book, too. So, like, at that point, I hadn't fully internalized that Woodyard is someone who has had a lot of paranormal experiences. So, when she's relying on, you know, testimony from psychic investigators and ghost hunters, like, those are her people. And so, for her to drop that line in that early, I was like, okay, weird. (laughs) This is a good citation needed. Tyler says, weird word choice. Why not tapping or knocking? And I'm going to, I, Woodyard doesn't say, I am going to, I'm going to blame Edgar Allan Poe for this. Yeah. And yeah. the rap, rap, like rapping on my chamber door. It's like, the there's Raven's a, fault. There's a spookiness to the word rapping. In my outside brain. Outside of a, outside of a, a musical sense. Yeah. In my brain, it's something you do with a single knuckle versus your fist. Like when you knock on a hmm. door with your fist, you're knocking. I feel like a knock is more like what you're doing with your hand, like, you know, yeah. like hand front. But a rapping is like back of the knuckle. Oh, Just like a lighter touch. Oh. Uh, yeah. All right. Worth. Yeah. Hmm. This is it, good. This is good. This is good content. <laughs> <is> good content. <laughs> um, uh, but just, so, so that you're, you're talking about the, her, her, you know, her talking with mediums and, and that kind of stuff. Like that is the stylistic unevenness of the book is that 
it lurches from like here's an old story where like some yeah. college students say that someone some pledge for a fraternity got hit by a train and on the anniversary of him getting hit by the train you can see him appear and and or like there's a ghost who like moves stuff around in the room sometimes ooh spooky and then you get to a chapter that is like an interview with a spirit medium and they're like yeah there was this ghost of a of a native lady who was looking for a baby and I let her possess me and she just because sometimes you need to let them have your body so that someone can tell you because somebody can tell them that they're dead and and then there's another one that's like I yeah I was a I was living in this house with these spirits and I like did a thing where I changed my psychic aura oh to like God. physically the push one, the ghost back. The yeah. one, that's the one story that has a Ouija board in it. And that guy is like, Oh, a ghost followed me home. And then it started bringing in another dude into my house. And I said, no, my sister lives in this house. Mm-hmm. So I turned on my psychic mutant energy and exuded mm-hmm. auras at them and sent them away. And you're like, how do you know how to do this? This book doesn't explain. This book isn't a player's handbook for fifth edition. I don't know how you knew how to do that, my guy. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's it's a mix of like the old folktale stuff and like just some guy from Ohio telling me about the time that he literally fought a ghost (laughs) (laughs) well and then it'll be like oh here's a whole chapter about like politics and it's not just because oh the whole chapter that's about soldiers andrew the one that with the Mm -hmm. john brown story that made us very mad Mm -hmm. um a few passages later it's like because oh surely nobody (laughs) would have anything invested politically ideologically in the ghost of John Brown coming back and saying maybe a little too centrum fast. is the way that yeah. <laughs> we should have been more centrist about <laughs> slavery. <sighs> the I was a good I was a big fan of the like four paragraph story about Francis Bolton, a congressional representative from Cleveland, who wasn't sure on whether or not to send aid to Britain during World War II via the Lend Lease Act. And she consulted a medium and the ghost was like, yeah, I think you should do it. <laughs> Everything I could. So I, I did not get to do as much research on this as I wanted to. Everything I could find about Francis Bolton, who was like a pretty re- uh, progressive Republican. Yeah. Um, congresswoman in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Like, I don't think she actually did vote for this act. Like, certainly she was not like the the one vote that it needed to pass. Did you find anything about the spirit the spiritualist convention in Cleveland, Andrew, where everyone decreed and agreed to a policy where they would not share any um, information like from one. ghosts that might turn the tide of the war? <laughs> it's like loose shit, loose lips sink ships, except for ghosts. <laughs> You're like we as mediums promise not to share any information that might put our boys over the Atlantic in danger. We will not. Um, I also like stylistically something that I really enjoyed about this book. And in I, it is intended because there's no reason you would write the book this way. If you weren't intending this, Um, some of the stories just end with a real goofy final line. (laughs) Like there's a, there's a chapter 
the chapter three, which is starts with a bunch of stuff about Thomas Edison and how he may or may not have believed that we're all a bunch of little memory creature swarms. And he yeah, had that an was apparatus. that was strange. And he had like a phone that he thought would let you talk to ghosts. And I then he an- died another... and came back to give people notes on how to build it better. That's a that's another like this is the time that it was moment is like Thomas Edison is listed as this amazing inventor who never stole any ideas from anybody. Nope, and never tried to put anybody like you know in a bad way publicly by killing an animal using their yeah, technology. Yeah, he didn't like kill yeah. any elephants or anything. Yep. Um, I used to, th- I don't know if this is true, actually. I remember being told at a young age that maybe one of my relatives a few generations back had like married Thomas Edison or not. I don't think that that's true. And I'm way less interested in it being true than I was when I was like eight. <laughs> I'm interested. I'm interested in knowing whether it's true. I'm not like it. Hmm. I don't think it is true. I think Laura would have told me she's really interested in the ancestry stuff. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, in that whole chapter that's about technology stuff, um, there's a real you who was get, phone You should go moment. get a 23andMe thing done, and if you're like 3% light bulb, we'll know that you have <laughs> Thomas Edison somewhere in your back. There's a little, like we go from the Thomas Edison apparatus, we do a radio story, we do a, a telephone story, and in one story, a woman talks to her dead sister on the phone, and mm-hmm. they just like have a nice chat. And then she hangs up and she goes, oh, my God, that was oh, my wait, my sister's dead. <laughs> my sister's dead. That was a that was a weird conversation. So I call her back. She says, in fact, I was so upset. I dialed her number and nobody answered. End quote. And then Woodyard adds one line. And what if they had? Then what if who, they was had? <laughs> who was foe? And there's was the exact next story <laughs> is a woman named Susan who gets a call from her deceased father who's like, wow, it's really weird up here, which I guess is supposed to be heaven. I don't know. And at the end of the story, Susan says it was a very bad connection, like long, long distance. Yeah, that stuff's really good. There, There's one uh, bit I had highlighted. It's it's not in the vein of, of weird capper lines because you didn't have another way to end the story. <laughs> but it is <laughs> like sometimes when Woodyard is like interviewing people, she will include bits of that conversation that frankly don't make any sense at all to include. So this is from uh, the chapter seven grave matters, which is about just like graves, I guess. Oh yeah. Um, And she's talking about uh, Dayton's woodland cemetery Mm -hmm. where a lot of people have reported sightings. And she's talking to this guy named Patrick R. <laughs> I love which is that. Not his real name. I've, I've, I'm going to do, I'm going to try and do sort of like a, Appalachia, Ohio. Hit me, please. I've never seen a spirit there, Patrick said. But I got a buddy who's always saying to me, let's go up to the cemetery and see if we could see any ghosts. But I've never seen one there. He paused. Come to think of it, I did see something kind of weird there. He turned to his wife, Meg. You remember me telling you about that girl crying in Woodland Cemetery? She nodded. So what is the point of this little thing where he says, I've never seen anything. I've never seen anything up there. My friend said he saw something, but I haven't seen anything. Actually, wait, I did see this. I do remember this extremely detailed story specifically about the cemetery that I need to tell you about real quick. Here's what I love about that. (laughs) Here's what I love about that. And it's, it's the same. it, It is not exactly the same, but it is very similar 
to what she does at the beginning of the college chapter, which we mm-hmm. do need to talk about. We do because Kenyon College factors yeah, heavily, heavily into that chapter. Yes. Um, the opening we of with, the, we live with one of the Kenyon ghosts. We did <laughs> probably we'll more that. than one. Mm-hmm. Um, the college chapter opens. College students and ghost stories have always gone together. <laughs> Student pranks, fraternity <laughs> hazing stunts, and urban legends account for most ghostly doings on campus, but not all. Dot dot dot. <laughs> so, like a thing that makes this book work. If it works for you as the reader, if oh, it, 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 it works for me, I yeah. thought that, I, I thought this was fun, and and it I think it is similar to the Patrick thing, where the Woodyard does a does a very deliberate thing where she is like, I get that most of these aren't true, but like for some of them, what if they were, like the the fact <laughs> like the fact that she is willing to concede that a lot of this stuff. You're, is a lot of people making stuff up or misinterpreting something in her mind and I think in a lot of folks mind who do really strongly believe in paranormal activity the fact that you can be skeptical about it makes the stuff you do believe in stronger sure right and I also like she she says something about um, in the in the prologue about she when she is relaying these stories, she believes that the person who is relaying them yes. or the source that she got it from, that person is like operating in good faith. And yeah. so you are, you know, reality famously subjective, and you're experiencing <laughs> their subjective reality. And that's just how the book works. And I, I think that I think that makes it fun. I think I think it she does is, make it very fun. She's a good I, I think I would be less interested in the book if like the secret it purported to be telling mm-hmm. me about a system that explained how like paranormal stuff worked or or, or like it was yeah it was yeah trying to tell me like a, a verifiably true thing about ghosts but actually it's not that way no it's it's more like here's a place that people have feelings about and here's a t- here's a bunch of ways into ghost stories the fact that they are all organized in the way that they are by like theme or circumstance i think actually does a lot to make the book work because you come in like oh here are here's a bunch of ghost stories about like lovers and marriages here's a bunch of ghost stories that could appeal to someone who's a history buff with like the presidents here's a bunch of ghost stories that appeal to like people who went who have strong memories about their college experience, like or who the, like motorcycles, or who like motor. The one in the in the lovers chapter that got me was like those two people who were married was like Susan and Dan or Dave or something, <laughs> and it was like, oh, there's a there's maybe there's a tiny ghost in our house who's moving stuff around, and it's like made it made an address book disappear. And one other thing, like it made the stuff on the mantle look weird. And I was like, yeah. I think this is maybe just a bad marriage. And you're like <laughs> pranking each other and you don't want to admit it. They're not it. even good pranks. Like, oh, you hid my address book. Oh, you put my camisole on the floor. <laughs> Actually, that part was really hilarious to me because it's it's the, the woman is like looking for her camisole and she can't find it. And then days later, it appears on the floor. And her husband insists out of nowhere that it wasn't him yeah. moving her camisole around. It's like, I wasn't wearing it. Please. Like, live in your truth, bud. It's so good. Okay. What do you want to talk about first, Andrew? I think we have time to talk about both of these things. 
Do you want to talk about the president's chapter or the college chapter first? I think we should talk about the college chapter. I also, Graham in the chat, and I think we have thoughts on this based on our New Orleans experience. The best ghost tours are like that where they don't try to convince you, just tell you spooky stuff that people believe when you're outside an old creepy house at night. Correct. And if you ever go to New Orleans, which I'd highly recommend, it's a really fun city. Like not even talking about Bourbon Street, which is like you should do it. But it's like, don't, that's not what New Orleans is. No, (laughs) but they do, they do really good ghost tours because there's just like a ton of stuff down there. And yeah, it's all of the like, some say that at some nights you could hear people laughing in this room or whatever, but it, it is infused with this like the history of the area and the architecture and like the really unique, like melding of different styles that happened down there because of the way it was uh, colonized over time. And yeah, it's like, it's a, it's a fun, like spooky way to get into learning other stuff about like the history of new Orleans. And that's, that's more what it's about than about like, this is a verifiably true story about a ghost. This book reminds me of there. So there was a Walden books maybe, or whatever came after Walden books. Speaking of speaking of ghost haunted dead (laughs) stuff. Let's talk about Walden books Uh, in both the King of Prussia mall that I spent a lot of time in growing up and in the previous iteration of the mall in center city philadelphia uh the gallery where there were a lot of like local books and i'm sure plenty of folks have a version of this at whatever their chain bookstore is where it's like local history books um that are very small press they're often commissioned by a business that has a vested interest (laughs) in like people learning about the area Mm -hmm. and they sell because people around there want to know a little bit more about where they're from or they think it might make a good gift for someone from that area. And this feels like that. It's just flavored with ghosts. Like it just, it's an interesting way to like- Much like Boo Berry. (laughs) Yeah, it's like an interesting way to name check a bunch of places you might know or a bunch of like flavor of the region. And if you like spooky stuff- You'll dig it a little extra. Anyway, let's mm-hmm. talk about the let's talk about the college stuff. Andrew. Let's talk about college stuff. There's there's all sort like I didn't really make a note about the other stories in this chapter except for that one about the guy named Ted who got who got drunk and quote unquote time traveled. <laughs> <laughs> and and by time traveled he saw some old ghosts and that he couldn't have known about. That's not he just got drunk. It's fine, Ted. <laughs> um, but there's a whole section. About our alma mater, Andrew. I knew all yeah, of these Kenyon ghost College. stories. I did too. The the one about the the um, so there is this nine story building, uh, dorm building at Kenyon called Capels that we lived in for one yeah. year, and it is the only like. I think it's the only building on campus that's more than like three stories high. Yeah. And it's got an elevator in it. And the story is that a student fell down the elevator shaft. Yeah. And that that is a ghost that haunts that building. And so, yep. and, and Woodrow does a pretty good job of summing up all the different things it could have been. Like it could have been an accident and they didn't know that they were stepping out into nothing when the doors opened up. It could have been like a, a frat related pledge prank where somebody was like going into the shaft and they accidentally died. But, Still, the end result is literal ghosts. Uh, Allie asks in the chat, 
uh, is this our version? This is Woodyard's version that you're telling just now, Andrew. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's Allie. It is A I I. Oh, know sorry, I misread A I I. Thank you. That, but um, uh, the the thing that I saw on Kenyon's Twitter this morning <laughs> that was it is the spooky season that was different from Woodyard's version. Woodyard's version had the various iterations of how the person may have passed away. Uh, it's uh, just A A, which is the person's AA. initials. There Excuse you go. me, um, but. Kenyon's t- TikTok via Twitter told me that one of the experience, the haunting experiences was during the summer when no one was living in the building, Andrew. Mm-hmm. They received a call from three different rooms in Caples, uh, 511, 611, and 711. And there was no one on the line, but it was to the emergency line. And then when someone went there, all those rooms were locked and no one could get in and the phones were disconnected. Ooh. Where was phone? Where was, <laughs> you know, I don't think that we experienced any spookiness in Caples while we were there. No, we, there were, who, where did we pick up Georgie? So this is, this is our Georgie experience is of from Kenyon. A- is from the Ackland who was not in this book. Okay. So they did, they didn't find out Georgie. Where, where did, did you remember where Georgie came from? Georgie was a ghost who we picked up our sophomore year, who I think moved to Caples with us. Oh, maybe. And who just liked to sort of move stuff around or like make noises sometimes. It and, is. And so it became, it became, uh, sweet policy to ref- to <laughs> to blame Georgie for strange happenings I believe that people could that people could not explain or would not admit to <laughs> yeah I believe that Georgie may have locked one of our roommates out of their bedroom while yes. they were taking a shower mm-hmm. yeah that was Georgie that was sure. Georgie um, it was not it was not their own mistake it was georgie who did. i was familiar with the section on the gates of hell i was familiar with the section on the hill theater the the one that stands out to me which is like i think the most like interesting one if you were to pick one of the like five or six stories from kenyon in here is the swimming pool which mm-hmm. has now become the dance studio at kenyon um a while a long time ago it was a swimming pool Rumor has it that a student died there jumping off the diving board and like breaking their neck. And then for a few more years, it was still a swimming pool. And this is in the book. Um, but we have also been on the ghost tour at Kenyon where they talk about this. Yeah. Um, you would hear like, you know, noises from the locker room and whatever. And then when they turned it into a dance studio, you could maybe see wet footprints or hear pool sounds like that to me is like a cool detail that I've not heard in another ghost story. Like mm-hmm. from a, from a building that has been repurposed, hearing sounds from the old version of the building is a cool, <laughs> creepy touch. Mm-hmm. Like I like that a lot. Um, and yeah. And then there's stuff like the, like one of the big dorms on, on campus burned down in the fifties. Yeah. And some people died. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's in there. Oh yeah. The stories, I the stories about like, people who are in the the new building that's in that replaced that building that got burned down mm-hmm. like getting shaken and woken up and, and being like hey there's a fire you gotta get up like that that's stuff i had definitely heard yeah yeah either th- i don't know that i actually went all the way through a kenyan ghost tour just stuff that i kind of you kind of pick up by osmosis from being on yeah 
campus. I, I went on one during one of our reunions and nothing. I feel like I had heard every story prior to the ghost tour. Because when you're in a place like that, they do just tend to like propagate. Um, mm-hmm. But it's fun to hear it name checked in a book like this. Yeah. Um, it's not a very big college. And, you know, I, I, again, like that is the appeal of a book like this, which is to like have the place you're from be included in this type of storytelling that has a broader appeal right mm-hmm. um follow-up question from aa did you or anyone at your school believe the ghost stories or want to believe them andrew that's i kind of wanted to use that to close the okay let's come back to it like, okay because yeah. i do want to talk about the presidents let's, let's briefly talk about the presidents yes there's a whole chapter on haunted presidents it is probably my favorite chapter in the book mm-hmm because it starts with a pretty gruesome story that isn't about ghosts at all. It is just about how some doctors in the 19th century dug up William Henry Harrison's son by accident for medical experiments after mm-hmm. he had died. Which is a thing that happened. It did happen. No, I, I looked that up and it, it did happen and it led to a like a major legislative push that yeah. banned the practice of digging up corpses to do medical experiments on them. But yeah, no, that's not about a ghost. It's just about a d- thing that happened. There, there's another story um, elsewhere that's just that's about the um, the that Chicago. It's like the most uh, deadly plane crash in american oh history. my god uh the american airlines flight 191 which is a plane an american airlines plane in uh what, what year 1979 where it uh, took off from o'hare in chicago which notably not a city in ohio <laughs> and its engine <laughs> fell off and it exploded and it's yeah. an ohio story because according to woodyard there's a guy who lived in Ohio who had like a premonition about it in the form of some very vivid and specific dreams. Yep. Who tried to call different agencies and 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 tell them about what he was seeing like just before it happened. And so that's what makes an Ohio. Can story. you imagine calling the FAA now in the year mm-hmm. 2021 uh-huh. and saying i have a very specific dream about how a plane is going to crash and i oh, need uh, you, you would to be, believe you would be, me you would be arrested within instantly the hour yeah everyone in this story is like yeah it was kind of weird how specific he was and we couldn't do yeah. anything about it. Yeah, no, he just seems like a guy who had a dream who wanted to let us know about the dream that he was having. <laughs> that would it's never fly now. It's so strange. Uh, much like American Airlines Flight 191, am I right? Oh my good gracious. <laughs> um okay. the in the in the other thing I okay, other quick hits from the president's chapter. I like overall I like that this chapter is about like, hey, you need to know that presidents are from Ohio and there were you ghosts need to know. too. And like the presidents weren't great, but there were a lot of them. Um, in the Lincoln chapter, where it focuses on Lizzie Keckley, who was uh, a woman who became a like a big author and a seamstress. Um, I think bought her way out of slavery, got her son into college and stuff, and later settled in Ohio. Became a big friend of Mary Todd Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln purportedly, according to the story, got very interested in seances <laughs> and mourning her dead son. I mean, listen, the, the 
Sherlock Holmes guy believed in fairies, yep. so I, anybody can believe anything. At a seance arranged by Mrs. Keckley, Mrs. Lincoln saw the spirit of Andrew Jackson, who told her that he was now Willie's guardian and that she should not trouble herself anymore. From that day forward, Mrs. Lincoln grieved a little less for her dead son. I would not be comforted at all if my dead son was in the custody of Andrew Jackson. Yeah, if... <laughs> Yeah, that would make me want to cross over faster so that I could get custody of my of my child back. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um we can skip over a few others. I did love the beginning of the James Garfield section, which is called James A. Garfield, our most haunted president question mark. And the first line is Garfield was prob possibly our most haunted president. Possibly. Uh it does blame his uh, desire to reform the civil service on advice from his dead dad, Andrew. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that all these like hot people high up in the U.S. government are making policy decisions based on what they hear from ghosts. It's I don't think you know. So you hear a lot about like Joe Manchin and whatever he's thinking about any given thing. Maybe there's a ghost who's talking to him. It's like you know what? People shouldn't be happy. They shouldn't have things. It's so good. Um, for folks in the chat or who are listening who are not uh, United States citizens and don't have to deal with Andrew Jackson, he's just a bad one. He's a real bad one. Um, yeah. You don't... Mm. We don't need to devote more airtime to who Andrew Jackson was. You just trust us when we say he's a bad one. He's not one of the good ones. And like we know there's a lot of bad ones and he's one of the, the less, the worst bad ones. When you look at the average of how bad they've all been, he's one of the worst ones. He's one of the worst ones. So let's close out, Andrew. What, what is your final thought here? You believe in ghosts? Hmm. Have we talked about this in a Spooktober before? We've been doing this for so many years. I honestly do not remember. I don't. I do not remember. And one of the things that people like about the show is that over time, some of our worldviews change. So, yeah. you know, always worth revisiting this question. Um, I don't. Th I don't think that I do, but I've been spooked. <laughs> and i and there are people who i like okay i really we didn't talk about it at all but like the theater section of this book is fun for me as a theater person there's a lot of stuff about like appealing you got to, you y'all got a lot of superstitions in that community yeah we got a lot of superstitions and uh, you know for various reasons i have certainly in my career experienced what happens if someone does the scottish play superstition wrong mm -hmm. like i've lived that out i understand why that might become a thing people start to believe in um if you say the name of that play in a theater when you're not working on it bad stuff tends to happen and um, to the to the point where you won't even say it now in our pocket nope. like we're not working on a production of the scottish play right now but nope. you Still won't say it, and I won't say it because I don't want you to get upset at me. It's very kind of you. I don't want to talk about the name of the play. Um, but I, the thing I, I guess the thing that I would say is like I've been just in spooky situations. Like I've, I've also, I work in a theater where people have claimed to hear things. I have not personally heard things. 
Um, so I can't attest to that and I won't attest to that. But I've been in spooky places and I understand why they are spooky. I The thing I guess the closest to like, it's not even a haunting. Someone somewhere once told me that like, Somebody once told you. Yeah, um, <laughs> I would say you something about like feeling like like you got like slightly rained on or got like water spritzed on you or something as you like sort of like when you pass through a ghost and you're supposed to feel like a chill or something like that. Mm-hmm. Sort of like that. I've ever felt that, and I don't. I can't explain why I was just in a moment inexplicably moist. Like, I don't know what that is. And that's not how, what really the sensation is like. But it's just like a, you hear You, you one can't of, just say inexplicably moist I'm just to saying, me like, it was like someone had, no, it was like someone had flicked water on my face. I wasn't moist. I'm just you said using that's words. The, that's the word that you said. I know. Words and I, re- I, I retract it. But. And we regret the error. <laughs> um, but. That's one of those things where it's hard to shake if you've thought about that and maybe it was true and then you've experienced it and I don't know what it was. It might I might not have even been a little drops of water at all. It might have just been a temperature change I experienced and it felt like I was got flicked water on. I don't know. So Craig got slimed by a real ghost. I got Okay, do you believe in ghosts? No. No, I didn't think that you did. Yeah. So this isn't a fun question for you to answer because you don't. Be- <laughs> you're just that guy with the snake gravestone. Yep. Cool. I'm fill my cool own grave with. I'm gonna Have fill you, my okay. own. I'm gonna fill my own grave with snakes, so I can get into a book about like haunted states. Okay, Mister Mister. I don't believe in ghosts. What? And I'm and I'm I'm mostly playing this up for the podcast. No, pl- but no. Do go go for it. What spook? What spooks you? What, what spooks me? have you ever been in a in a place and felt I don't like this vibe here? Even if you didn't think it was a ghost, but you didn't have a reason for why you didn't like the vibe. I mean, anything that's like dark and wet and where there might be bugs. Like I'm not scared of it's usually a not dark a ghost, place that is inexplicably moist. That's inexplicably moist. Well, I, even if it's explicably moist, even if I know why it's wet. Yeah, it's like the mystery of why it's wet doesn't. <laughs> no, I'm I'm more I'm more worried about like a bug going in my mouth or like a bug crawling on me or like a bug biting me or maybe mm. like a snake could bite me also like I, you know, like real stuff but things that congregate in the same areas where stereotypically if they existed ghosts would be okay yeah. Okay. I've never communicated with a ghost. I've never believed that I have or been with someone who has. Carol in the chat says, I found out today that my mom definitely believes in ghosts and also believes that my cousin can communicate with them, which is interesting. Like any, any ghosts? Like, could we, could could we call up (laughs) Thomas Edison right now? Yeah. Can we call up Thomas Edison and ask him if he feels bad about anything? (laughs) I did uh I did a play a few years ago that was into like it dug into some of that medium stuff. I do really find the remember that guy John Edwards, not the politician, the other the guy. The politician? No. 
No, the guy who was on TV and he would stand in like a set like it was Oprah and he would point at the crowd and be oh, like, oh, yeah. you what have was a the, sister. What was the name? Crossing Over? Crossing with Over Edwards? with John yeah, Edwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I find him. that stuff I rep- saw ads repugnant. for his show during Mystery Science Theater when I was watching it. I think that guy sucks. And I, I think the that kind of stuff just preys on people's grief and people's like... Lost yeah, no, that that sucks. Yeah, and busted relationships and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I do think a lot of this stuff kind of stems from just stuff we're carrying around in our heads, and then we're in a place where we don't know all the answers to something, and we don't have all the information, and then we kind of externalize it. Well, and I, I, I you cannot. You cannot overstate like if you are in a situation and you were looking to experience a specific kind of response or if you're looking yeah, to yeah. interpret whatever happens as a sign of the thing that you were like actively asking whether it's a sign or not like mm-hmm. that is that is going to make you more likely to to, in, to to interpret the thing that is happening as like confirming whatever your priors are. Yeah. And like that's not like inherently good or bad, but I do think that can explain a lot of belief and a lot of like a lot of experience of yeah, of, sure. of, of of things that seem like hauntings or like ghosts, but can be explained. And there are by. stories, just like the human brain being weird. Like people don't like that's that's where the ghosts live is in your brain. Because nobody understands how that thing works. And there are stories in this book that are explicitly about that. Like the woman who has problems with the electricity in her house and then she watches an episode of Donahue and is like, oh man, it's a ghost. <laughs> She's like, oh yeah, it's probably a ghost. Clue one, it's a ghost. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm, this was a fun book to read. I had, I think like if you're expecting to be scared by this book... I don't know that it will do it for you unless you're someone who's already just like walking around kind of terrified of the possibility of ghosts <laughs> because this is largely about just like maybe there's ghosts out there. It's not trying to jump scare you. Mm-hmm. It's not trying to gore you out. Um, there's one there's one interesting thing from Rebecca in the chat that I want to talk about our experience with and then we can then we can close. Yeah, sure. Um, Rebecca says my ex's mom told me how she and her cousin went to a medium of some kind in Denmark who gave creepy amounts of detail about a family member of theirs that died decades before. So another New Orleans story for us is we were down oh, there yeah. with some with some friends and one of our friends got a palm reading from a guy who like. <laughs> who asked him a couple of like very basic questions about like whether he was in a relationship or whatever and got very detailed about like our friends. And this is the most like even keeled placid guy yeah. who I think I've ever known in my whole life <laughs> talking about like his anger problem and how it was affecting his relationships and, and getting specific, but in like a broad and vague sort of way. Yeah. And I think if you are so that did not work for him. And we walked away from that being like, oh, that that was a fun thing to do. But obviously, obviously it was all wrong. But like statistically. there There is like a, a way of doing that where some people sometimes are going to walk away being like, whoa, they got it exactly right. Oh, yeah. Well, because even, uh, even in that instance, yeah. there was stuff that that person got sort of right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That he was like, 
I mean, 50-50, basically. <laughs> like, yeah. The the stuff about my character was pretty off, but the stuff about my circumstances was pretty right. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of that is like guessing about the type of person who might get a reading in the first place. Yeah, sure. Or or at least like using, not even guessing is the, is the verb I'm using, but it's a whole bunch of things where it's like, yeah, it is having a good sense of how people operate and taking in information in a really sensitive way mm-hmm. um, and then responding to it in real time. Well, and also like when we're, when rendered in the broadest strokes, I don't think any of us are as unique as we'd like to be also. <laughs> Hot take. Yeah. Hot take. Mm-hmm. You know, we are the millennial generation where we're all special snowflakes and Andrew's out here saying, nah, nah, not that special. Not that special. Andrew, thanks for taking <laughs> me to uh, Haunted Ohio. You're welcome. Thanks for coming to back to Ohio with me. Yeah. To be haunted. Gas, the ghastly Buckeye State. Thanks to everyone uh, who joined us in the Patreon chat on this Halloween 2021. It was fun to do this with you on the day of the haunting. Um, if you have tales from your own haunted state that you want to share with us, you can send them to OverduePod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at OverduePod with those stories. Thanks to Nick Larandis who composed our theme song and about the note on the live stream, we just did the episode 500, which if you're listening to this episode on the main feed is already posted. Go listen to it if you haven't. I don't know what you're Mm -hmm. doing. Anyway, Andrew, folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? Overduepodcast.com is our internet website. If you go there, you'll see links to ways you can subscribe to the show. Uh, You'll see links to the books that we have read and are going to read. Uh, You click those, you get a book, we get a small cut of the revenue, and your local independent bookseller gets some support. Uh, is there anything else? Patreon.com slash OverduePod. Thank you so much to everybody listening in the chat who has uh, donated to us. If you want to hang out with us on these live streams or if you were in our episode 500 live stream and like to to do it again. Uh, yeah, you can you can uh, donate a certain amount a month. You can recommend a book to us. You can you can get bonus episodes early. You can sit in on live streams. It's there's there's some stuff in there. Some fun stuff. Yeah, uh, I think that's think that's it. We'll have our November schedule up on the site sometime this week, and I don't think there's anything else. No, that's it. That's all we got. Okay. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening, and until we talk to you next time, try to be spooky. <laughs>